0: How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. This is episode 41, P. Can you believe it?
1: No, I cannot, but I can't believe that we made it though. You know what I mean? And it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, we've been pretty consistent. I hope all our uh listeners have been enjoying this. We've had some amazing guests. And uh today we have another. I mean, we got Anthony. Anthony, how's it going?
2: what's going on guys happy to be chiming in today excited for it
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so we mentioned in last week's video p uh, about anthony so he works at london jewelers you have a youtube channel you have an instagram account Mm -hmm. um watch with me all across the board correct
2: yeah yeah that's uh watch with me on instagram and youtube so pretty easy all one word
0: yeah, no, for sure. So you're super knowledgeable. We were going to talk about the new Rolex releases, but we're like, you know what? Let's bring in the expert. <laughs> so, <Somebody. laughs> well, you
2: know, it's interesting. So, I, I mean, just yesterday we actually had a, a small event with Rolex. So basically I had the whole trunk show there. I got to see and feel all the new products, which is pretty cool. So I'm happy to chime in about it.
0: That's awesome! If for a second there, I heard you had the Trump show, I was like, "All right, uh, we are (laughs) ending today's episode." No, (laughs) No,
2: definitely not. Definitely not.
0: All right, buddy. Well, you know what? Uh, Typically, what we do, we we like to get origin stories from people. So, why don't you tell us how you got started in this whole watch game?
2: Yeah, so I've always been into watches. Um, I kind of bounced around from career to career. Uh, I was doing clinical work in a nursing home as a dietitian, and I was super unhappy, and I decided that career wasn't for me, and I went back to school for business. I wanted to do something with fashion. I've always loved watches, watches but I never really knew how to get into it. Yeah. Um, my brother at the time lived in New York City, so I'd go visit him, and every time I went there, I had to go see all the standalone boutiques. So I would go into Breitling. Breitling was one of my favorite brands at the time, and I happened to go in, got friendly with the staff, and was looking at the time for an internship, and it turns out uh, they ended up hiring me after I graduated as a salesperson. They gave me a shot. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. I started out as a salesperson and became a key holder, then a training manager. Then I left Breitling, went to Bremont, which is a small British watch company. I was boutique director for about two years. And then I went to London Jewelers, which is one of the biggest retailers in the world, probably top three in the country. Um, we carry over 30 brands. I started out as an assistant manager and was just promoted two months ago to watch salon manager. So it's, it's been a wild ride. But wow. you know, like you guys, I just love watches, and I'm lucky enough to work in an industry I love.
0: Congratulations, Ooh. man. Do you Thank remember you. that 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 turning point for you Uh the whole watch thing—it was were you young before even working in the industry? Was there a yeah. watch your dad gave you, or something you saw in a magazine, or how, what was
2: it for you? Yeah, so it's interesting. So my dad got uh, hurt when I was very young, and he wasn't around. But um, my mother no, I'm sorry always to hear that. kept. No, it's okay. But my mother kept uh, a draw of his stuff, and I would always kind of look into it. And uh, he had this pocket watch that I would look at, and I would open it up, and I was just mesmerized by all the gears and I didn't understand it and I think that started my fascination with watches and you know uh, I'm I'm Catholic so when I when I made my communion you know everyone was getting like bikes and stuff like that as gifts and I wanted a watch so I got a watch and you know I think I really got into watches probably when I was right around 18 and you know started out with you know Seiko's and Invictus and then you know back then there was no Instagram or Facebook but I would go on watch forums and I would start to learn more about it and then I got really into it and then you wanted an all Swiss made watch and I would go to micro brands like Steinhardt and get one of their watches because they had sapphire crystals and an ETA movement and then you know as your kind of career takes off you can maybe if you're fortunate enough I've been where I could start to kind of Venture into more expensive watches, and uh, my first serious watch was a Breitling Super Avenger, which yeah. I eventually got rid of because it was just too—it's just too big. Too big. So, right. but yeah, so I guess I've always had a fascination with watches, and I have this collector gene in me. With no matter what I get into, I tend to—I tend to collect uh, quite a bit, whether it's vinyl, uh, scotches, watches, suits, whatever it is. But watches Cigars. is my passion. Cigars, <laughs> but yes, yeah, watches. This guy. Is, is beyond the passion of mine. So, um,
0: that's, yeah, that's
2: my life. That's how I got into it.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah, I know that you're super open about your watches because you've done a lot of videos with like my watch collection and my regrets. Mm-hmm. And you had like an mm-hmm. AP right at one point or something. Yeah, you yeah, got rid of that's- it.
2: I did. I had the Royal Oak Offshore. Uh, it's actually the only watch my wife has ever liked, <laughs> and I got rid of it.
1: Oh. Um. Um,
2: <laughs> you know, I only wow. had it for like four months, too. Uh, it ended up breaking. I had to bring it to the Audemars Piguet uh, boutique on 57th Street and sent it out. and it took like three months to get it back, and mm. it, was, it was a great watch, but at the time I had no, no right in spending that much money on a watch, so I did get rid of it, and, you know, I was working at Breitling at the time, and I was able to get a watch that was even more expensive at a much better price because of their employee purchase program, and I was able to sell off the watch, even taking a hit, but being able to take some of that money, put it away, and get a different watch, so.
1: So what was that conversation like with your wife when you got rid of the AP? Uh, you know
2: what she she didn't she she thinks I'm ridiculous for spending the money I do on watches so she, she didn't she doesn't care she was happy I got rid of it you know at uh, that christmas i surprised her with the chanel bag so she was happy oh, okay, with, cool, with some cool, of the, with cool. some of the proceeds from yeah. the watch uh, selling but you know she wishes that i wouldn't spend as much as i do on watches and right. to, you know i haven't purchased a watch in about 2 years now so i've i've slowed down a bit
0: well, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, you are married, so yeah. that, that's a conversation we always like having with our guests. Um, so whether they're in a relationship or a girlfriend, whatever, or married. And I always ask, like, how is your wife cool with this? Like, is she? Is she, is she not? Like, does she care? Does she not care? Especially you. I mean, you're spending uh, AP money. That's that's a lot of money <laughs> right there, man. I mean...
2: Yeah, you know, I think... Um it's interesting. So my wife and I—we, October will be married for four years, but we've been together for eleven years. So, wow, I've been collecting watches even even before I I knew her, and I think I had my Breitling already. So when I met her, oh, she okay, already cool. knew I was like crazy into it, and she, you know, she she knew that the money I was spending was kind of. You know, it's all relative, but it was stupid money. But she she doesn't like it, the fact that what I spend. But she knows that I've made some good investments. Where you know, if I have to get out of these watches, you know, I uh, I've only lost money on one watch, and that was the AP, and that's because uh, I got rid of it pretty quick. But so she doesn't care too much. Like for instance, we're we're looking to buy a home next year, and I'm probably going to be selling my Rolex Daytona, my solid gold sixteen five two eight. You know, I, I bought that watch at a, at a decent price before the big Rolex boom. So I'll be able to make some good money on it. So That's she doesn't cool. like what I spend, but she's, you know what, I'm, I'm very giving with, uh, you know, with, you know, what I buy and whatnot. And, you know, when it becomes uh, an important purchase, like a home or something like that, I don't mind getting rid of a watch to help us put money down. So
1: right.
2: she, she doesn't, she's, she's honestly one of the easiest going people I know. So she doesn't care too much about what I spend on watches.
0: You're a lucky man. You're definitely a lucky, lucky man. Lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> you know, P, well, we forgot, we forgot to do a wrist check. So, Anthony, you're oh, a guest. Okay. And I, I see what you're <laughs> wearing. You got you got one of my grail watches. So why do you what do you tell everybody yeah. what you're wearing?
2: So I'm wearing a Rolex Submariner. I threw it on a NATO strap. Uh, this one in particular is a 168000. So it's the transitional model. It's the first time they used the 9044 grade steel. Uh, but they only made it for around nine months. And actually, they don't go for that much given the, the craze with Rolex right now. Um, this one has a weird spotting on the dial. If you go to my Instagram, you'll probably yeah. see some photos of it. But, yeah, this is the last watch I purchased for myself. And I just recently put it on the NATO strap, which I kind of like.
0: Very nice. Is it like 85, 83? Uh, 87.
2: 87. 87. 1987. Was-
1: 1987. Close. All right. All right. P, what are you wearing? Some simple, man. Timex retro 80s. Hey. Yeah.
0: No, so. gotta go with something so so opposite right this guy's wearing a Rolex yeah. and we're just no, like no not
2: <laughs> no, not at all I mean Timex is you know what if if you're looking for a watch with kind of a uh, history behind it styling to it Timex especially lately they're absolutely sure. selling it with some of the GMT models I mean the different color combinations their bracelets they're just killer yeah it's hard to compete with that brand for the price point
0: yeah for sure for sure well today i'm wearing my neo-vintage omega speedmaster reverse panda as a jdm version so in honor of this guy i knew he was going to be wearing one of his heavy watches so i'm like well this is probably the most expensive thing i got so
2: <laughs> I wish I threw an iWatch on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. But no, it's, it's, it's cool that you came on the show because typically we have a lot of people on the show that um, are kind of where we are, right? We we talk about Rolex and AP and Patek, but a lot of us haven't really owned those kind of watches. And we kind of stick more to the, like, the entry-level watches because we feel that that's kind of our comfort zone, you know what I mean? And not only that, but it's like we, we love all watches, just like you, Anthony. But uh, one thing that we don't like it's like watch knobs and obviously mm-hmm. you're not because i've known you and even though you have these like killer pieces and everything you're like super down to earth super humble and that's a way i wish more collectors were because it's not about the money they have or mm-hmm. the money they have invested in these pieces it's the passion for the watches and it's like you know in in my opinion that's what it should really come down to you know what i mean so
2: yeah, no, I I completely agree and uh one of the reasons why I don't really belong to like any watch clubs like Red Bar is a huge one. And those guys are pretty cool, but I tend to find the unfortunate thing about this hobby is there is a lot of snobbery and yeah. you know what? Uh I mean, I'm generalizing, but a lot of a lot of people do look down on on some watches and I'm not about that. I mean, I have no problem, you know, uh re- a couple months ago, I gave away a Seiko and right. that was the first Seiko that I purchased in a long time. And although I gave it away, I was like, wow, I, I want to buy this watch for myself because it, you know what, this beauty behind each one of these timepieces, and it really does, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars for it. Like I said, I mean, there's Timexes out there that I, I want to buy. It, it, I don't care what kind, of, uh, what kind of money you're spending on these watches. I just appreciate the hobby and, and the history behind no matter what brand it is at any price point.
0: That's cool. For sure. For sure. Well, since you are a professional, do you guys carry Seiko at uh at the boutique uh, or no? We carry
2: um, Grand Seiko. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my particular store is located in Manhasset on Long Island, which is arguably one of the wealthiest spots in the oh. country. So it's a it's a very high price point, but we, we you know we carry Shinola. Um, Luminox. So those, uh, Michelle, those would be some of the entry-level brands that we carry. Um, my, my best, one of my best friends, uh, Ben Simon owns Windsor Jewelers in North Carolina. He has, uh, two stores. He carries, uh, Grand Seiko and Seiko. So he has, he has Seiko and that's, he's the one I, I worked with to get that Seiko to give away. So that's super cool. Well, what
0: are your what are your thoughts on Seiko? And I ask that because obviously that's one of our favorite brands. Everything's in house, and I honestly feel like they don't get the respect they deserve. Obviously, a lot of people in the watch industry know who they are, mm-hmm. but they kind of clown on them or say, "Well, it's an entry level piece." But it's like, well, yes and no. Well, but what are your thoughts? You being the professional, what do you what do you think about Seiko?
2: Well, I think the quartz crisis kind of. Uh, left this impression with people that it's like an entry-level cheap battery powered watch when that's so far from the truth right. and it, not even looking at grand Seiko, which I think if you put it side by side with any other brand, it's going to put it to shame with the Zeratsu polishing, the spring drive in-house movements, the dial finishing. It's just second to none. It truly is. And I think the the same can be said for Seiko. If you compare a $200 Seiko that watch can easily go up against a $1,000 tag or, you know, a $2,000 Oris, which those are two companies that I really like. Um, But it's Seiko to me is maybe what Rolex is for, you know, high level collecting Seiko is for more entry level. It's, it's hard to compete with it. If you're at, if you're an entry level price point, all people are doing is talking about Seiko because it's a household name with uh, a great reputation, great materials, in house technology and it's it's hard to it's hard to beat it. All
1: so, right. So let me so let me ask you uh I know you got a lot of hard hidden pieces what's in your collection?
2: Okay, so I have um around 10 watches right now. I have a Rolex Daytona, I have a Rolex Submariner, I have a Panerai 312 um, That's and then I have a Nomos Club which uh, is a very cool watch, smaller, uh, very minimalist, it's like a 38mm case size that's pretty much it for like more modern day pieces and then I really love vintage watches so I have a 1960s Breitling Navitimer mm-hmm. I have a 1960s Breitling Top Time, I have a 1960s Uh, Wackman, which is a brand that went out of business but was basically a large distributor of European brands, and they're responsible for getting Breitling over in the States. So it's a chronograph with uh, a triple calendar, so it does month, month, day, and date, which is pretty cool. Uh, Then I have a Pierce chronograph, which is another piece from like the 1960s. It's a company that went out of business, but they were making all in-house movements at the time. And then I have a three-hand Gerard Perigo uh, watch. It currently doesn't work, but uh, that's pretty much it. And then I have a Timex from probably the 70s that was my grandfather's. So mm,
0: Cool. That's very cool, cool, very cool. Nice collection. Is that Brightling
1: you got from uh, the Navy Timer from the 60s, that mm-hmm. one happened to be the one Miles Davis wore, was it?
2: Uh, I, I, it this one was... From 1963, and it was the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association watch, which is pretty cool because this one doesn't have the Breitling logo on it; it has the Aircraft mm. Owners and Pilots Association logo on it, which makes it pretty unique. But uh, it's it's the last watch I purchased while I was working at Breitling, and it was you know, I think it's interesting because Breitling kind of gets some hate sometimes, but in my opinion, if you're looking at vintage watches, they make some of the best. Watches from the fifties and sixties, and you can still pick them up at a great price. You know, it's a Breitling Navitimer with, uh, and if I'm I'm getting too techy or, or nerdy with you guys, let me know. But like a Breitling nah, Navitimer from it. like the uh, the late fifties, but like a Value seventy two movement can probably be had for like fifteen thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, I know. But that's the same movement that's in a Paul Newman Daytona that can fetch five hundred thousand dollars. So it's interesting Mm. how, you know, uh, the same movement in a different watch that was made probably in just as small of a production could be, you know, 10% or, or whatever of the value. So it's Bradley made some great pieces back in the day, but I'd say like vintage chronographs is my favorite, my favorite kind of watches
0: cool yeah that's super cool man so let me let me kind of switch gears and talk about youtube for for a minute because i know you're you're fairly new but you do have over a thousand subscribers mm-hmm. what was that churning point for you that you're like i want to start a youtube channel
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know i've always uh i've always wanted to do it and then i just kept putting it off kept putting it off and you yeah. know i did a couple acting classes in college and i've always liked being in front of the camera and i was like you know what i just there wasn't i basically and maybe you guys went into the same thing where you almost you you watch a few people on youtube and you're like they offer so much what could i offer and you almost you feel like you got to mimic what they do and then i took a step back and i was just like you know what just offer my perspective you know i'm coming from the industry which i felt like there wasn't as many people on youtube from the industry talking about watches so that's what i went with um You know, I kind of, I didn't, I'm not gonna say I half-assed it my first year, but I definitely, uh, I was only doing like maybe one episode a week, Twenty twenty, Uh, I started out January. I was like, you know what? I'm going to really start putting out a lot of content. And I started out doing like two episodes a week. And then I put out a couple videos that didn't go viral, but I, I put out one on, uh, a Rolex bubble, and it, it got like thirty-something thousand views Whoa. in like a couple in a couple weeks, and it got me a lot of subscribers. And I started doing some giveaways, and right around that time is when we started chatting. But right yeah, it, it was hard because my first year, I think I only had like three hundred and thirty subscribers, and then from January to uh, probably April, I got like another seven hundred. So you know, I'm right around thirteen hundred right now, and. You know, I've really been slacking. I haven't done much videos recently. But I just I don't want to do videos for, for no reason. So if I don't have much to talk about, um, I haven't been putting out stuff. And if I'm going to be honest, it's hard because of my position and because I know a lot of like brand presence now and reps and things like that. It's hard for me to talk about things because it, a lot of it's not speculation anymore. I have some insider knowledge and I can't be talking about it. So that's why it's hard for me to to make some videos now. Like I couldn't be talking about some of the Rolex products because, you know, I had an idea from just talking with people. So I, that's why I didn't put out a video um, leading up to the releases.
1: Cool.
0: Hmm. very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, well, we'll get into Rolex right now. We just want to pick your brain a little bit
1: more. Yeah, yeah don't <laughs> worry, I'm cool, I'm down. So, uh, who is your biggest watch inspiration?
2: Um like uh collecting wise or like someone I watch on youtube
1: I guess both uh, I mean. both collecting somebody you watch somebody you know
2: yeah um
1: man that's a that's a really good
2: question uh you know what i I work a little bit with Christian from Theo and Harris uh we have a partnership with him at London jewelers, so i've been watching him for years. He did a review of my collection probably like five years ago uh back when I had uh, actually a lot of different watches at the time I had like an IWC Spitfire, I had my Patek Philippe Nautilus. Um, so I, I knew him for years, but we recently just started doing a couple of videos for London Jewelers. So I, in terms of content, I really like Christian. Uh, I think he's charismatic. He does a great job with his stuff. Um, in terms of collecting, uh, or oh, I also, obviously I love Pudinke. Uh, I think they could be a little bit, uh, pompous. But I, I like their content. I mean, I could sit and watch the talking watches all day long. Uh, that's some of my favorite stuff they do. But in terms of, like, collecting, if I had, like, an unlimited amount of money, I mean, John Mayer's stuff is unbelievable. Yeah. Mm, you know, I, I, like, I, like, I, I like to be a little bit gaudy uh, <laughs> and over the top. So, like, a, okay. a, a, all diamonds out, Daytona would be cool. But then again, and also a piece unique, Patek Philippe. Made for me with a salmon dial and platinum split second, you know, mm. perpetual calendar would be unbelievable as well. So, I mean, his collection really speaks to me. Um, but
0: yeah, that's crazy. So, he, is uh Christian the same off camera as he is on camera? Just
2: a hundred percent. He's wow. <laughs> he, sometimes I forget how young he is. So, he I think he just turned 24. Yeah, he's uh, he, so young, man. Yeah, he's very young, which sometimes he, sh- he shows it, but also because of his style and his knowledge of some watches, he comes off a bit more mature, but he's, he's a cool guy. He, I, I, listen, I'll say for what it is, he's not for everybody, but I, I, I tend to love the guy. So. Yeah,
0: I think him and, well, I think Anna kind of balances him out a little. Yeah. Bit, cause she seems so different, so more calm, yeah. but it's, it's cool. And she I, I know she's been to London Jewelers a bunch of times as yep. well, and she's yep. done her own thing, so that's super cool, man. And you said Patek, you had a Nautilus, that's right, you got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Why did you get rid of your Nautilus?
2: You know what, so uh, I bought the Nautilus probably now, let's see, one, two probably like six or seven years ago. So when I bought it, I waited maybe two months to get it. You know, it, it, listen, the Nautilus back when I bought it, you were buying a Nautilus because you couldn't afford any other Patek bullet. You weren't buying it because, what? It was, <laughs> yeah, that was it. You know, it was, it, listen, it was expensive. It was like $27,000, but you know, that was for a three hand stainless steel watch. If you want like an annual calendar in gold from Patek, you're talking 50,000. So, you know, the guys that had a Nautilus, they were like, okay, I'm buying this because I can't afford any other Patek where now it's completely different. So I bought it and I had it for around four years. I had no intention of flipping it, um, but I saw the price kept rising and rising and rising. And I just purchased my Rolex Daytona in all gold, which is very much my personality. It's a bit flashy, <laughs> but I was I was only wearing that watch. I was not wearing my Patek and I, the price just kept going up. And it gets to be a certain point where I was like, this watch isn't worth the value to me as it is to everyone else. So, you know, I, my first hobby and the only hobby that I might like more than watches is cars. And I, I was I'm living in the city. I don't have, a, I didn't have a car, but my mom lives on long Island out East. And I was like, you know what? I have some debt right now. This watch is worth a lot of money and I can pay off debt, put money away and buy, you know, my dream car. That's crazy. So I, I decided, <laughs> listen, I sold it. I doubled what I paid for it and if I would have sold it and just, I'm not going to go over prices, but I sold it. I doubled my money, what I paid for it. But if I would have sold it today, I would have made an additional $30,000. So just think about that. Um, Crazy. Insane, (laughs) insane. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's a cool watch and it's probably the most hyped up watch in, in the industry right now. But I'll tell you first and foremost, the watch is extremely overrated you know it's a cool watch it's super thin it's very elegant it's finished beautifully but i find the bracelet very flimsy the clasp is flimsy i don't like that it's a non-hacking seconds i think the when you unscrew the crown the stem pops out too far it's it's finicky when you're setting it it's you know it, it is what it is the fact that this watch is going for you know what it is on a secondary market it boggles my mind but yeah, that's, so that's... I, I sold it and bought a, bought a Porsche 911. <laughs>
0: hey, hey. I, I would prefer that too. <laughs> so I heard the Patek, is it the, the pin and collar system in the, in the bracelet? Does it have screws or I've heard it doesn't have screws? So, I don't know.
2: Yeah, so a re- I think they might have changed it recently, but when oh, okay. I had it, it was, it was pins. And it's not like pins like you would think like you know, like a Seiko or something like that. Right. But for what it is, it's, uh, it's a bit flimsy. I personally, um, I would... I would go with like a 15202, so the jumbo Odom RPG Royal Oak, which is super, super hard to get. I would go with that over the Nautilus, or I'd even go with maybe the 15500, which is a 41 millimeter Royal Oak over the Nautilus. I think the construction's a bit more rugged, and I, I like the build quality a little bit better.
0: So let me ask you something, because I mean, you've had an AP you've had um you had a uh, technolist basically so what is your grail then what, what's that grail watch for you i mean you've pretty much had it all i mean
2: yeah uh, it would probably be um, a couple different watches i mean it's interesting cuz then i put it into perspective like there's a grail watch where i feel like i can obtain it one day and then a grail watch where it's just unattainable. like unattainable yeah so the the number one watch like of all time for me would be, it was a boutique only FP journe tourbillon for the Tokyo for the Tokyo boutique. And it was a Jade dial. Uh, That would be like the one and done. Like if I could have that, that's what I would go with. But the watch that I absolutely love and it's still stupid money is the a long and zona Zeitwerk in white gold, black dial. I think they're Mm. around $80,000 brand new Uh, at one time. At one time, they went to like fifty thousand, and it's interesting. Before the big boom, I was about to trade my Daytona and my Patek for this watch, which is crazy <laughs> to think about it because at the he- that would be like trading at the height, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars towards a watch that costs fifty thousand. But back then, it was pretty much even. So it's interesting to see the power of Patek and Rolex and where they've gone in, in value. But yeah, I'd say like FP Journe and a and Zona are probably two of my favorite brands that I haven't owned yet. Okay.
1: Ooh. All Ooh. right.
0: So is there any uh, brand that you wish you carried at the, uh, at the boutique that you've been telling your bosses like, hey, we need to jump <laughs> on this?
2: You know, it, it's interesting. So selfishly, yes, because I would love to have both FP and Elong and zona in yeah. the store because I love their watches, but we do have 30 brands. Um, and not every one of these watches that we, uh, these brands that we carry get attention. And that's just the nature of the game. You're going to have your, your brand recognition that plays a factor, especially in a wealthy area. People are spending money that aren't like the three of us that know watches. And you know what, for maybe if you had $30,000 to spend, you can get, let's just say, uh, uh, Patek Philippe, Calatrava in gold, three-hand, very basic watch, or you can go to Berguet and get a tradition open work dial, you know, unbelievable for 30,000. I would probably want to go that route because I think it's just, it's just a more interesting watch, but people will tend to go with Patek Philippe. So we have brands that don't get as much attention like Blancpain, Berguet, Ulysse uh Piaget, uh, amazing brands. So it would be hard to take in another one of these brands when the rest of the brands aren't getting as much attention, but absolutely I would love to carry a and zona, which would be a no, no for Protect Philippe. Um, <laughs> and then I would also love to carry FP John, but then again, FP John makes around 800 to 900 watches a year. So yeah. if you carry them, your allocation might be you know, nine watches a year and then it's not really worth it.
1: So with you dealing with the higher end of these watches, what are some of, the more undervalued watches that you've seen? Mm, That's a great question. A
2: hundred percent, I would say Breguet. I think Breguet is unbelievable. Um, You know, the only reason why Breguet is not considered part of the holy trinity of watchmaking is because it was originally a French company. So that's why they're not really perceived in that light. But uh, Abraham Louis Breguet invented the tourbillon, the perpetual calendar, He was Napoleon's clockmaker. So the history alone is unbelievable. But then the quality of the work is just, if you have the chance to ever try them on, they're spectacular. And unfortunately, a lot of people go uh, with, you know, what they're worth on the secondary market as a factor of what to buy. They're not as strong as the other brands, but Breguet is an amazing brand um, for very high-end watchmakings, as is Bon Pan, but I'm more drawn to uh, Breguet. And then for like kind of mid-level, I mean, I'm always going to be a Breitling fan, and uh, I love Omega. Omega is one of my favorite brands. I think, for uh, exactly for under ten thousand dollars, I think the Speedmaster might be one of the best watches. And this is a watch that you can buy pre-owned, you know, for two to three thousand dollars. And I think this watch rivals watches for ten thousand.
0: Mm. Awesome. Ooh. So is is Grand Seiko in there somewhere? I know they're getting a lot of traction in the watch industry, but they got a long way to go with just normal people, right? I mean.
2: For sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's the problem with so many brands that slipped my mind. But yeah, Grand Seiko for sure, underrated, but they're gaining a lot of traction. Yeah. Not as much in my market, but uh, for instance, my good friend, Ben, who owns Windsor Jewelers, you know, he has his own watch club, the Carolina Watch Club, but they sell a lot of Grand Seiko. It's uh, its a much tighter watch collecting community. And he keeps talking about Grand Seiko, so they're doing really well. But You know what, if you want like a bracelet watch and a a watch that's, I think, more versatile, Grand Seiko is the way to go.
0: And those dials, man, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, The
2: the Seasons Collection is, uh, all four of them Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to see one in the metal, but just the pictures, the videos, Mm -hmm. just like, I'm so in love with those things. Like, if I ever had the money, I'll pick up definitely one of the Seasons Collections. So even the Snowflake, it's an oldie but goodie, you know, so
2: for sure
0: for sure but uh i think we need to get into into the meat and potatoes as they as they say (laughs) right uh people came here to to hear rolex and that's what we are gonna give them so before we get into it um you've had an opportunity to handle these guys and the metal correct
2: i I have yep
0: (laughs) okay so we we definitely want to get your your opinions uh on them and especially you being an uh, Rolex owner you could compare the old and new and, and you know see all kinds mm-hmm. of things so you guys obviously this is a dumb question you guys obviously are an AD for Rolex that's why you had the party yesterday right mm-hmm.
2: and yeah, you have Insider so, yeah so we uh, we're one of the select retailers that got to view the product so it's uh, not everyone did but we're we're a large uh, authorized retailer of Rolex so we were, we were allowed to do this and it wasn't for everyone it was just uh, kind of VIP only
0: Mm. what does that entail? What is, what, do they need to spend a certain amount of money or what is, <laughs> what gets uh, you on that VIP list?
2: <laughs> you know what? I think it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be about spend. It's like how long you've been shopping with the company. And you know what? The difference with London Jewelers is, you know, we're not just looking for someone who's spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on the, the desirable product because, Essentially, that stuff is sold already. It's just up to us to decide who's going to get those watches because we don't get in enough. It's, it's, you're much more likely to get uh, the, these rare watches if, you know what, you came in, you bought some jewelry from us or you bought a Breitling from us or a Grand Seiko from us. We're looking for people that are not just going to buy these watches and try and flip them because that's a big problem in the industry right now. We need to make sure that these watches are going to like a forever home and not just someone trying to make a buck because that's potentially how you can lose a brand. Mm, wow
1: so is the wait list real for these watches
0: (laughs) come Uh, on man come on i know you work in the industry you don't want to say it but
2: (laughs) i can't i can't confirm or deny that
0: (laughs) okay okay
2: i you know what it's yes and no it's 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 very convoluted and i can only speak for mine but sometimes we can't make we can't if we had a list for let's just say an oyster steel daytona with the white dial i kid you not this list would exceed 10 years if we took every name based on the the amount we get so in 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 that sense no there is no list for an oyster steel daytona so no. but some pieces there are a list it just there's it, 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 different allocations so we can get more of one watch versus the other
0: that's pretty cool. interesting wow that's crazy all right all right, Anthony, I got to ask about the Rolex uh, Submariner, man. So what are your thoughts on the new Submariner? And a lot of people are on the fence and complaining yeah. about it looks the same and, yeah, it has a new movement, but it should have gotten that movement 10 years ago, whatever, you know. So what What are your thoughts?
2: Well, it's interesting because this is the first time that the Submariner has changed in size since the late 1950s, so that's pretty cool. But if you compare this watch side by side with the past generation uh, that's with the ceramic bezel, it's, it's so hard to tell the difference between the two watches. <laughs> it's really so hard. So the original one, although, uh, I'm sorry, not the original one, the past one, although advertised at 40 millimeter, it was a touch over that. It was like 40.5. Mm. And the new one is like 41.3. So it didn't even increase a whole millimeter larger. The main difference is they slim the lugs down. So I actually think the new one wears even better on the wrist, in my opinion. Uh, Look, it's such a subtle change. And I think if they would have just changed the movement and then changed some dials and bezels, I think it would have really been lackluster. So I think them going up to 41, it kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't think it had to go to 41 millimeters. I mean... What's going to happen in like the year 2050? It's going to be like a 45 millimeter Submariner. I don't think we need to keep getting it larger. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, what everyone's going crazy for for the Submariner, but I don't think that's the hit of the show. But it, it's cool nonetheless. I like the the Kermit, and I really like the blue bezel, uh, black dial, and white gold is very cool. But it, look, it's a beautiful watch. It's I personally think the Submariner is probably one of the greatest designs ever uh you know just the dive watch in general with the rotating bezel i think is super versatile from swimsuit to suit and everything in between you could wear it so it's a great watch it's going to be very hard to get super desirable like any other oyster steel rolex model but definitely not the head of the show in my opinion
0: do you guys have any available right now for sale
2: um we're waiting for shipments so we were just basically everything that we showed to some of our clients was uh like a dummy watch. So it was the watch itself without the movement. So we were hoping to get some in, but it's hard to say because the last few months we've been receiving no product. Uh, Rolex was closed for 10 weeks. So 20% of the year uh, the factory was closed. So far less product is being uh, released. And again, just to give you uh, an idea on emails alone of inquiries, not just through the country, but around the world, we're being inundated with like over 100 inquiries for these models. And keep in mind, when, when you're talking about Rolex, you can only sell to local clientele. Uh, we could be fined or even have the brand pulled, let's say, if I didn't know somebody and they reached out to me from Florida trying to buy this watch. Rolex cannot sell to someone outside of their territory. So it's, it's, it's difficult, but that also allows uh, all retailers in different uh, segments around the country to be able to survive, which is good.
0: So with that said, do you try, when somebody calls in for Rolex and after you laugh at basically you <laughs> laugh at them and, and, and you stop laughing, do you try to sway them away from Rolex and try to sell them something else or do you just answer their question and hang up and that's So... That?
2: A lot of it's through email. A lot of, you know, most of the salespeople pick up the phone for the inquiries via phone. But I get a lot of them through um, through email, and I kind of pass them off to the salespeople. But uh, I always offer an alternative, so it might not be necessarily the exact watch you want. But for instance, uh, like right now, uh, if someone was looking for uh, the Submariner. I would say, you know, we don't have that at this time. It's super desirable. I can I can keep you in mind should one become available, but we do happen to have the yacht master Rollasaur with black dial available, which is the same watch, same warranty of five years, water resistancy of three hundred and thirty feet, and a fantastic, you know, timepiece. So I, I always give uh you know another choice within Rolex. Um I, I would I wouldn't uh you know, although you would think like, okay, you can't get a submariner. Perhaps go with the Seamaster Diver 300, which is a fantastic watch. But being there, looking at Rolex, I try to stay within the brand to offer them something similar.
0: That makes sense. It, it, it just I, I saw some information. I guess I I wasn't too clear on it. The bracelet on the new one, it's bigger, right? It, yeah, it's not it's, twenty millimeters anymore.
2: So across the board with all the watches, they shrunk down the lugs. So all the bracelets are wider now. And it allows to hug the inside of the case a little bit better. It's a little bit more seamless. So it's, it's really nice. That I really like.
0: Yeah, but what do you, how do you feel about strap changes, though? Because 20 millimeters is, I mean, everybody has 20 millimeters. But mm-hmm. the new one is, what, 22, 21?
2: It, it's, probably, it's, it's probably even worse. It's probably in between the two. It's probably uh, like 21.5. What? You know, Rolex does that for a reason. You know, they have no desire to for for you to have versatility in anything that's not Rolex. You know, they don't even want uh you changing out straps. You know, uh, we might be uh I'll wait till we discuss the Sky Dweller, but once we get to that, you know, it's uh, it's interesting why they
1: why they went the way they did. So do you think Audi's new changes to the submariner is enough or should it have been more? You know, that's a
2: good question. Um the thing that's interesting about Rolex is they can literally do the smallest change, and people right. lose their mind. And right. I'll give credit to Rolex. That's because they they've truly stick to their DNA, and you can see the slow evolution of their product over years, and still be able to look at it and go, "That is a Rolex Submariner." And it's similar because I'm a car guy. You can look at the Porsche 911, and although it's much larger then it's first generation. You can see this little transformation. You can still look at that car, know exactly what it is. And I think a lot of brands lose that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can necessarily look at a Royal Oak offshore and go, that's a Gerald Genta Royal Oak. It looks very different. The same can be said for a Breitling Chronomat or a Breitling Navitimer you know, there's very few watches that really stick to that core design. And that's what Rolex does so well. And sometimes, yes, it could be a bit lackluster. But I think ultimately that's what creates the desire. That's what makes them so desirable. And when they do make something that's slightly
1: different, it sells very well. Right. Cool. So are you personally satisfied? Uh, No. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's all you, <laughs> you got to say. That's it. That's it. Know, that's I, it. No. You got to say no uh, more.
2: <laughs> but I, what I will what I will say is I think what we've seen is probably fifty percent to seventy five percent of what they originally intended to release this year, but because of COVID, they cut it back. So I don't right. think we saw everything.
1: Okay, cool. Ooh, um, wow. Uh, Rolex discontinued the OP in the smaller size and now offer it in a bigger size. Was mm-hmm. that a good move? Um,
2: personally, like for for me, no, because I don't I don't like a bigger watch and like if. First of all, the OPs, I, in my opinion, is the head of the show. And they make, they, they make them in 28, 31, 34, 36. They discontinued the 39, and now they make it in the 41. Mm. Uh, I think for uh, a business perspective, it's, it's a great move. I think the 41 is going to sell very well. Uh, I don't think it needed to, to go up two millimeters in size. I loved, I loved how the 39 fit. The 41, similar to like a Datejust 41, I think it wears too big on my wrist. So I don't personally like it, but I do think uh, it's going to sell very well. I think uh, it's going to be the head of the show for, for sure. I mean, they changed the mm-hmm. movement. So they're, the, the 36 and the 41s are now a 70-hour power reserve. All the OPs for the first time have the diver extension. So you can pull out the clasp to get an extra 5 millimeters. So they, they really went – above and beyond. And the price point's really good. You can get a Rolex now with a five-year warranty an in-house movement, mm. oyster steel, a uh, 70 hour power reserve for under $6,000. Again, a lot of money, but you can now get into a Rolex offering all that for that price point. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, can you get one?
2: <laughs> I guess you that's the question.
0: Can you get one?
2: <laughs> right now? No, but in time, this is something that you'll see in Rolex cases for sure.
0: No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's a great value proposition. I mean, to be able to get a Rolex with everything you just mentioned for around that price point, that's actually kind of mm-hmm. crazy. It's, it's, it's a great value proposition. You know what I mean? But yeah. With that said, I know they also introduced a lot of fun colors. Uh, this going back maybe to, like you said, their DNA with the Stella dials. So I know they did something mm-hmm. like that. So it's kind of borrowing from that. Uh, what has been the, the, the hottest color, if you will, for you? Well, first of all, what do you think of the new colors? And second of all, in your opinion, what's going to be that hot color? Is it going to be the yellow, the red? What, what, what do you
2: think? I I love the new colors. I think it's so cool, and I think this is really what what shocked everyone because these colors, although they did it, you know, in the seventies, is so not Rolex, and that's what I love most about it. Um, you know, if you just read the colors on paper, you would say instantly, okay, the green's going to be the top seller. But it seems like most people are are really drawn to the turquoise that seems to be uh, the, the most popular color. I personally, before I saw them in person, really liked the yellow. But that orange-red in person is unbelievable. It is, it's out there. You know, It's probably not for the guy or girl that has only one watch. Maybe for someone that has a collection that can wear something a bit different. But that seems to be my favorite. But definitely that uh, that turquoise, uh, it almost looks like a Tiffany blue. with overall will kill me for saying that. <laughs> that that seems to be the the it color right now. But the green I could see being very popular. And actually, what's quite nice is they do the silver with the gold accents, and that's a throwback to the nineteen thirties from what they originally did, uh, which is very cool. And uh, another thing about these watches at this price point is mm-hmm. so on every single Rolex model, the hands and the index markers are all 18-carat gold, which mm. is also pretty cool. So it's a small touch, but very cool.
0: Are you getting a lot of demand for those OPs or not as much as a Submariner?
2: Oh, uh, it's the head of the show. It's incredible. Oh, really? For, oh, some wow. reason, for some reason, everyone thinks they're the only person in the world. Oh, call me crazy. You know, I really like the OPs the most. It's like, yeah. so so does everybody i have (laughs) clients thinking they can get every single color i'm like that's not gonna be possible (laughs) that's crazy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that's that's what i heard i I heard in the hodinky podcast they had ben and and jack and and the the gang or whatever and Mm -hmm. ben was basically saying at this price point somebody that's wealthy enough could literally have a collection of different colors you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and if they if they choose to and yeah, I mean, if you have enough money, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think that Tiffany blue, obviously, Rolex doesn't want us to call it that, but whatever. Uh, I think that's a cool, versatile color for like a, a girl and a guy, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty nice. And in, in my opinion, that's probably one of my favorites too. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. I met with um, a good client of mine yesterday, and she is expecting her first granddaughter. And uh, her husband, uh, when they had their first grandson, he purchased. The, a 15,500 Onomar Royal Oak with a blue dial. And mm. he's going to give wow. that to his grandson on his 18th birthday. Holy so f- now f- she f- wants to do uh, the 36 millimeter OP in pink uh, and get it engraved and give it to her granddaughter on mm. her 18th birthday. So the, the candy pink's a pretty cool color for, for a woman in the 36.
0: So the boy gets an AP Royal Oak, but the girl only gets a Rolex. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, you know mm. I thought the, sa- I thought
2: mm. the same thing but there's really not many wow. high end watches you can get out there with a the pink dial.
0: So you could get it in white. I mean, white is pretty right. versatile. Come on. Right. Right. You got to upsell her, man. <laughs>
1: you want wow. a Rolex? That's it. Come on. Right. right. <laughs> mm. That's wow. pretty funny. So, uh, do you think it was a good idea to put the sky dweller on an oyster flex? And should more get, models be offered that way?
2: You know, it, it's a good question. I, uh, that would have been one of the last watches I would have chose to put on the Oyster Flex. But I will say in person it's really nice. Now Rolex is super smart, so they uh, made the lugs uh, slimmer, but they made them slimmer on the inside. So this oyster flex bracelet cannot fit an existing sky dwellers so you won't be able to swap it out mm-hmm. and they do that so they can so they can allow people to have to buy more watches instead of just changing right. their straps so you know it, it fits the watch pretty well uh i personally i put out a video um a couple months ago and i i said i would love to see a blue oyster flex strap on the yacht master 2 uh, I thought it would be really cool. I think the Yacht-Master II is a watch that doesn't sell that well, and I think the Oysterflex really would kind of bring that, that collection back to life. So I would have liked to see to see that, but I think uh, the Oysterflex is great. It's, it's really cool. I love it on the Yacht-Master. Uh, I love it on the Daytona, and I would love to see it offered on more of their watches. Uh, that being said, it's typical Rolex fashion. We'll probably have to wait another four years just to see it on a different model now. Right
1: right it's kind
0: of crazy you just can't buy the oyster flicks from them and just put it on a on a watch i guess that's why companies like everest right everest uh that owns as well
2: and rubber bait does a really good uh mm -hmm, they do really nice straps uh that what i like about their straps is they fit the the oem clasp so they, they fit really well with the watches but rolex obviously doesn't like that and they don't want you have to they don't want you swapping them out, so the new sky dweller is actually a completely different reference than the existing sky dwellers in gold because of the oyster flex
0: now in your opinion is that is Rolex the only company that's like bougie like that that oh no we 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 don't like you modifying our watches or have you seen another
2: watch brand Well, you know
0: <laughs> laugh it out pete laugh it out
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think Rolex is really like the top brands in terms of brand recognition. I mean, they have brand recognition like Google and Apple. Yeah. Um, it's so they can kind of do whatever they want. And when they tell you to do something, you do it. Uh, but I would say um, Audemars Piguet and Patek are, are similar in a sense where they kind of do what they want and you're expected to follow up. But you know what? look what they've done so far you know it's it's hard to it's hard to go against what they say they obviously know what they're doing
0: get out of
1: cars
2: yep
0: yeah it's interesting everybody's drinking the the Rolex Kool-Aid if you will I don't I don't (laughs) know Mm -hmm. what's going on with them I mean we I, I could speak from my personal experience or just just from my perspective I I love Rolex but not maybe for the same reason other people like Rolex for me, it's just more of a design aspect and it's not mm-hmm. so much the, the prestige at first, when I first got into collecting, of course, there was a whole, I want to have a Rolex. So people think that I have money or something. It was stupid, a stupid mentality, but obviously as you evolve and you become a watch collector, that's far from what I'm looking for anymore. You know what I mean? I'm looking for mm-hmm. so many other things. So what about you, P? How do you feel about Rolex?
1: I like Rolex, you know what I'm saying? I hope to own one one day. Um, for me, it's just design. Like, I just love the design of the Submariner. You know what I mean? And I would like to own one, but I ain't going to be snobby or crazy about it. You know what I mean? You know, I'm going to rock it for my enjoyment.
2: Exactly. That's you know? that's the only way to collect, I think, it's just – whatever brand it is whether it's Rolex, Breitling, Timex, Seiko, buy what you like and just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, the thing that I hate most about watch collecting nowadays is people only want to buy what has perceived uh, you know, uh, value retention or increasing value. It's just like Any watch I've ever made money on, I bought because I love the watch, and I just happened to buy a watch that went up in value. I did not buy any one of my watches because I thought it was an investment. You're much better off taking your money and investing it in something else than buying a watch and thinking that's how you're going to make money. Buy the watch, and if you love the watch, you'll never lose money on it because you're going to get enjoyment out of it, and that's the Mm -hmm. way it should be.
0: But you know what? Sure. We're gonna have some people listening that own the Hulk and are laughing right now, like, "Ha ha! <laughs> I can make so much money." Have you seen what they're being traded for? I mean,
2: it, it's such a wide range. I see them going for twenty thousand, and I see them going for thirty thousand. Mm. You know, a lot. A lot of these prices are dictated by the gray market dealers that just throw them up there and try to create a price point for it. Look, it's a de- it's a super desirable watch, but. Like for instance, I was talking to one of my colleagues who said the last time we had the the Hulk in stock in the showcase sold out of the showcase was twenty seventeen. Whoa! So mm. th- it's been three years since that watch has been available in the case. Um, so it's you know it's interesting that any Rolex is is worth this much money. This is a brand that produces over a million watches a year. That's eight thousand watches a day. You know, and they're still not enough to go around it's kind of crazy
0: so do you think the hulk is worth the money just how you told us the 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 nautilus is not worth eighty thousand dollars or even fifty thousand dollars is the hulk worth twenty thousand dollars
2: you know what? I think it's all relative. If I'm a millionaire and I really want that watch and I don't want to wait, then, then yeah. But for me personally, absolutely not. I, I would have a hard time spending the retail value of that watch. Uh, it just doesn't do much for me. But that's just that's just my, my, my opinion. Um, you know, $10,000, that's a lot of money and you can, you can get some amazing watches for that price. Mm. I like it. In my opinion, definitely not worth $20,000. Uh, I can see it maybe I can maybe justify if it was like 12, maybe you know, just a few thousand dollars over a list, but who knows where they're going to go. They can, you know, they're going to, despite this whole, whatever's going on right now, the landscape of things is so crazy because despite unemployment rates and the election coming up and a virus and fires out in California and, you know, everything that's going on racial, racially, it's, watches seem to be they keep increasing in value and I don't know how much longer that's going to last. And let me tell you something. If you buy a watch, let's say you buy a fifty-seven eleven, you spend $70,000 on it thinking it's going to be a hundred thousand dollar watch in two years. And all of a sudden things go sideways even more so. And and the economy crashes, you know, you're, you're in for a rude awakening when that watch goes back down to, you know, 40,000 or whatever it is. So.
0: Mm -hmm. I think you hit a pretty interesting point. I mean, in, in regards to the whole virus and everything that's going on, because from what I've been seeing, and you know, videos and internet and everything, it hasn't stopped, right? I, mean, I know some factories closed or whatever, but as far as prices and sales, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it hasn't stopped, right? If anything, it's 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 increasing. The demand is actually there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's hard for me. I can't say across the whole U.S., but for for the people I know in select territories, myself included, business has been good very fortunate
0: so what do you think what do you think is a factor in that people are bored or people have extra money because they didn't take vacations i mean
2: i think this is a luxury product that we that i sell and i think uh a lot of people that that are buying or were not weren't affected by this you know i don't think we're seeing people that were laid off you know uh you know they're not coming in to buy watches it's 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 a lot of the you know wealthy people that weren't affected by this that can still continue to work from home and you know what as you said maybe they are saving money because they're not going away or they don't have to pay for the kids to go to camp or daycare and things like that so they're just where they're bored and just go you know what with everything going on I'm just gonna treat myself maybe it's a bit of that
0: yeah 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 no for sure um i I've always, wondered about something and i don't know if you know but the blueberry is it a mm-hmm. myth a lot of people say and it was never real but now it is obviously in the white gold so mm-hmm. was it was it real and how do you feel about the new one
2: you know it's interesting i almost wonder if this is rolex saying that it was real mm. um it, but it's this new one i don't know how it's going to do because The Smurf, the original white gold, uh, Mm -hmm. blue bezel, blue dial, it didn't sell that well. I mean, in recent years, it became hard to get because every sport model became hard to get. But, you know, white gold models are very interesting. A lot of people don't necessarily want to go for it. This is a $40,000 gold watch. And you know what? A lot of people, when they buy gold, they want you to know it's gold. Oh,
0: yeah. Just like you. So, (laughs) absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I don't know. I think it's going to do well because it's, it's an interesting blue uh, bezel color. It's not the same as the, the original. So, I like it, but it's, it's underwhelming.
0: So, you've seen in the, in the VIP thing that you had yesterday or whatever, you saw all the models? So, they presented every single one of them? You had an opportunity to see them?
2: Yeah, yeah. I saw every single piece. Um, one of the coolest watches I've seen is a Datejust 31 – with a Jubilee bracelet and a fluted bezel. And I, if they would make this in a larger size, I'd buy in a the heartbeat because they, start, they made a new dial, and it's a mint green. And it's huh. a beautiful, mm. beautiful watch. If they made this in a 36 or a 41, it would be killer. I just love the green dial in person, but they only make it in a 31. Wow.
1: Okay. Okay. So um, do you think the Kermit will sell well?
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's going to be the hardest watch to get, for mm. sure. That's going to be the hardest – one it's it's cool it's a cool color combination and two uh people know that the hulk now is discontinued so this is going to become even more desirable now because of that so for sure this will be the hardest watch uh to come out uh, Mm. to obtain Cool. okay
0: all right guys well let's let's close up the the whole rolex conversation anthony what do you Do you have any thoughts? Do you want to say anything to everybody listening? I know a lot of people are probably listening to this because it says Rolex on the title of the
1: the (laughs) podcast.
0: And I don't blame them. I mean, Rolex is is something that a lot of us strive to to get as collectors. But, you know, they're just getting so hard to get. And it just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just leaving a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, I guess, including me. So, but anyway, take it away. You had anything to say, anything to add?
2: Yeah, listen, Rolex is an amazing product. Everything they do is seriously top-notch, whether it's an event, um, taking care of uh, uh, someone's service watch, or, or creating a new watch. I understand everyone's frustration with getting these these watches. Look, I work in the industry, and I can't get these watches. So I, I get it, and it's, it's really unfortunate. I'm hoping that Rolex is going to up production and we'll be able to get some more sport Miles back into the case. Mm-hmm. But what I will say for people that are in the New York area You know, if you come into London Jewelers, it goes a long way to just be friendly, to come in, speak to a salesperson, give your information, and just, you know, what, get to know us. Um, A lot of it has to do with, you know, really knowing the collector, knowing it's going to a good home. You know, and I'm not asking you to buy other things from us, but if you have to buy a gift, you know, shop, pick one retailer and shop with them and show you're loyal. And that's the best way to get to get these products I actually came out with it. I put out a video maybe a year or so ago it Was how to get Rolex and Patek at retail. And it's just about creating a relationship with the retailer and not shopping around. A lot of people bounce around from retail to retail because they don't want to wait. You know what? Maybe you can't get a Kermit right now, but if you get become close with the retailer and establish a relationship, maybe you'll be able to get a brand new Rolex in 2023 that comes out that everyone wants So it's just about staying loyal to one retailer and just creating a relationship there. So
1: cool.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. And your thoughts on a watch collecting, obviously you have what 10 in the collection. Mm -hmm. Do you, what's your strategy for collecting? Do you have a strategy? Do you not, you just buy what you like.
2: You know what? I, it's, it's interesting. I don't think I have a strategy. I like, to, I like to buy things for special occasions, but then I end up getting rid of it, so I guess I'm not too sentimental. I would, really, I, I would like to uh, really cut down on the collection, just have like three really cool watches that I wear often because a lot of my watches I don't wear. And I just, you know what, I'll open up my case and I'll look at them and I'll take a photo of them and I get enjoyment in that sense. But a lot of them I don't wear. You know, my go-to are my two Rolex and my Panerai. Um those are my watches I wear all the time. So I, I don't I, I think sometimes it, it becomes less about collecting and more about hoarding. So I, I kinda wanna oh, yeah. shrink the collection down and just really enjoy a few different pieces.
0: It's tough though. I mean I, I find it tough and I know P does too. You you get Very into the tough. sting where it's like yeah, I'm I'm done with collecting. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a stop to this. Like you, you haven't bought a watch in two years. That's crazy. I don't I don't know what. Mm-hmm. But but then again, the watches that you buy are not Seiko, so <laughs> so I get it. But yeah, no, it's tough. If somebody were to tell me you're gonna have three kind of three watches in your collection, and and you got it'll be really 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 tough unless they were really nice watches that I'm
2: like, it's, it, absolutely in love with. It's tough either way. Look, I I I say I want to do it, and yet. I I don't do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's it's easier said than done.
0: That's true. That's true. It's so tough. But anyway, well, we appreciate you coming on the show and now let's talk about other things aside from, or you could talk watches if you want, but basically we just talk other things. So whatever you want to recommend or food or what, yeah, cigar liquor, I don't know, whatever.
2: Um, You know, it's interesting. So what I will recommend is actually a TV show. Um, My wife and I just binge watched it and, destroyed it in like a week Ooh. and it actually came out in 2014 and it ended in 2017 and it was on direct tv and no one knew about it and it's called kingdom and it's about an, uh, mma uh fighting which i i love mma i only watch really the ufc and hockey those are the only two sports i watch but what i will say is like for instance my wife couldn't care less about mma she doesn't she doesn't follow it she thinks it's brutal she can't watch it when i'm watching it but this show has amazing acting it has a great storyline and it's such a bummer it was only three seasons and there's been some steam picked up that they might they might redo uh they might do a fourth season now on netflix because people are talking Mm. about it but what if i have any recommendation it's a show that i think is extremely underrated and it's only three three seasons it's an easy watch if you have netflix but yeah
0: King, of, I, you know what? I, I've seen it. Is this guy? Yeah, it's like the thumbnail's like an MMA fighter, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I've
0: seen. I, I've I've been I've been tempted to click on it, but I'm like, what is that about? So. Yeah,
2: it's give it a shot. It's pretty huh. good.
0: All right, cool. Well, d- before we move on, Pete, I, I do want to ask Anthony. I see mm-hmm. you smoke a lot of cigars. Do you spend mm-hmm. a lot of money on cigars?
2: Not really, actually. So I use a website called uh, Cigar Bid, and you can get. Some like premium cigars at pretty good prices. So, a lot of the a lot of the, the sticks I smoke, they are expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it might be ten or fifteen dollars cigars, but you know, I can get uh, some of these at a fraction that cost maybe like three dollars each. You know, you have to bid on them. But yeah. sometimes you can win them.
0: So now, correct me if I'm wrong. I know when President uh, Barack Obama was in office, it was something about Cuba and opening up the trade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people listening outside of the U.S., we cannot get products in the U.S. that are from Cuba. It's illegal. And a lot of people say around the world that Cuban cigars are like the best in the world. Um, what's what's going on with that? Can you get Cuban cigars? Have you ever tried a Cuban cigar?
2: I haven't tried a Cuban cigar. You can get them through some different uh, retailers around uh, out of the country. There's um, a really good one in Switzerland and one in Ireland that I've kind of contacted about getting it. But to be honest with you, uh, a lot of the good cigar makers have left Cuba and have, you know, went to uh, Dominican Republic and, and you can get great smokes elsewhere. There's kind of, Look, the same reason why everyone wants a Rolex Submariner, it's because you can't get it. You know what I mean? So Got a lot it, of right. it's a lot of it's just because of the hype behind it. But that being said, I, I haven't smoked a Cuban, so I don't really know. What I will say is, the thing about Cuban cigars is sometimes they're known for having tobacco beetles, so they need to be frozen. Um, so you need to make sure the distributor that you're getting them from, you have them checked out before they sh- they're shipped over because mm. you could completely mm. lose your whole collection with Cuban cigars. So mm.
0: what is a tobacco beetle? I'm assuming not a good thing They eat your, your collection. Not a good
2: thing. So basically mm. if if you put uh, – if uh, a tobacco beetle could have lay, laid eggs in the, in the leaves and when they roll the cigars, they could be in the cigar. And with the humidity, they can – hatch and then you'll get beetles all in your cigars and they eat, eat tobacco leaves it's disgusting i've never had it but mm. i've heard horror stories with and it, it, can, uh, be, it can be a mm. complete uh, deterrent from ever wanting to smoke but i've heard stories mm. about it with even <laughs> <and> cigars
1: <laughs> you
0: want to quit smoking that's the way to do yeah, it <laughs> absolutely what about your liquor collection i know you you got a lot of liquor you, you drink often are you an alcoholic, um, Anthony? Just <laughs> just just admit it.
2: Yeah, is this an intervention? <laughs> yes it um,
0: is. Your <laughs> wife called us and said, Hey, have <laughs> them on the show to talk about
2: Rolex <laughs> and then kinda <laughs>
0: kinda yeah.
2: go into that. Yeah, I'm waiting I'm waiting for her to, to join the conversation. No, you <laughs> know what? Um uh definitely uh I'd say once a week, maybe twice a week. Um I'm there was a, a uh I was drinking a bit more. But the you know the pounds were starting to pack on, so I started to do inter- intermittent fasting again. So I stopped eating at like four p.m. So uh, I don't drink in uh, four p.m. A- yeah, yeah. So I, I only eat from eight a.m. to four p.m. and then I fast for sixteen hours. So Whoa. except for on Saturday, um, Saturdays and Sundays, I kind of I skip that. So I will drink on the weekends. But yeah, so I love uh, you know I love a glass of uh, scotch or bourbon um, neat. So no, no ice, and uh, just a cigar, and I have a beautiful view of Manhattan from our rooftop. So I go up there and just kind of hang out. My wife and I would just bullshit. Yeah, that's that's pretty what's much what's it.
1: That's yeah. cool. All what's right, what's P, what you got? Um, I'm gearing up for the second season of The Mandalorian. Mm. You know what I mean? Gearing I do. up For that October 30th, is going down. You know what I'm saying? I've been reading a lot of the uh, stuff that's supposed to be going on. And it seemed like it's going to be great. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Just got back from a trip this week. Um, Gallenberg, Tennessee, up in the mountains. No cell phone reception, no nothing. And just kind of chilled out. You know what I mean?
0: And Yeah. What was that restaurant you told me you went to? Dollywood something in Dollywood something?
1: We ate at Dollywood. But the restaurant that we went to was... Uh, flapjacks flapjacks okay flapjacks, cool. yeah yeah and they had like the bomb omelets you know what i mean pancakes was off the hook better than i i would say hmm. so okay i don't know if we
0: have some here in california but mm. yeah
1: pretty good,
0: food. <laughs> pretty good food sounds good well i i i finished i know i talked a little bit about this last week power anthony have you watched power
2: no the i have not where, where is that on
0: um so it's on if you have hulu they have seasons one through five but the sixth season was the last season but right now they have a special on hulu for like a dollar 99 a month for like three months uh you get the sixth season and you get to watch the new spinoff show um so it's a a great show it's based in new york so i think it'll probably hit home for you and uh yeah it's about this kind of drug pin but the way that he hides his money he runs like a nightclub and he was kind of like hood but kind of churned like corporate and the yeah. whole storyline is about him trying to like become better but his family kind of doesn't let him in in a way and the spinoff is i'm, I'm not gonna give it away but it's, it's pretty good now there's a spinoff and a lot of the people from that first show now are are on this show including mary j blige and some other mm. big name actor so I, I i can't believe you guys haven't seen it because it's so no. good it's 50 cent is uh involved in the show he's in the show as well 50 Cent, yeah. he's okay. actually a really good actor he and yes yeah really really enjoyed it for anybody listening power so check it out power and then the, the spinoff is called power book Two: ghost because the guy's hmm. character is ghost like that's a street name you know right so, hmm. so cool. yeah man yeah, but, check uh, it out yeah check it out so where can people find you anthony
2: so on Instagram, it's a uh, watch with me. Uh, I also run um, London Jewelers Watch page, which is the London Watch, uh, and on uh, YouTube. So YouTube is Watch with Me, and there's a link in my bio on my Instagram it will take you to my YouTube channel.
0: Sounds good, and yeah, I love your Instagram, man. I mean, the suits that you wear are just
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're Thank tailored. You. Yeah, they're they're you're they're not oh, of off course.
2: the rack. <laughs> um, some are some are there's a company called suit supply and uh, oh, okay yeah amazing suits listen you can I, i've got suits for like 200 dollars from zara and no if way you get them ta- yeah mm-hmm. if you get them tailored the right way they'll look fantastic it doesn't matter what you spend on a suit if you don't get them tailored they're not going to look great it's not about how all much right. you spend it's about how much you spend on the tailoring trust me
0: oh yeah and tailoring can Ooh. be a lot more expensive i know that all <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. right where can people find
1: you uh, Ross watch love everywhere. YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram.
0: Sounds good, and you can find me SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube and on Instagram and Relojando for all my Spanish-speaking folks. Uh, we're getting some traction there on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, that's that's episode forty-one for you guys, Anthony. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, open yes, invitation, sir. my friend. I would love to have you again and not talk about Rolex, talk about <laughs> the watch industry, just because we talk. Uh, you know, about watches as enthusiasts, but we don't know anything mm-hmm. about watches because we're not <laughs> in the industry. But you are, so it's pretty exciting.
2: <laughs> I would, uh, I would love to come back. It was such a such a pleasure to chat with you guys. And uh, well, there's speculation that uh, Patek's going to be releasing so, some stuff next month. So perhaps Ooh. I'll come back on and we can talk about that. All right,
0: cool. you're, you're on, buddy. All right, you're, to the, man. This, you're the man. Hell yeah! Right, to everybody listening, thank you so much, and stay humble, my friends.